says. All right, our text is Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 uh, stand as the starting of our uh, passage here for our text. As I look at laying up for what's ahead. Now, you know, some things have just happened that are kind of funny and that we just don't think about. Sometimes we think we've got it made and then we don't we don't have it made. You know, we don't have it right. And, and that just happens. New Year's comes around, got the plan for the new year, and then you go back and look at last year, those plans, what happened to them. It's kind of like the science teacher. This guy, you know, he's athletic, and, but he's a science teacher, and he wanted to teach circulation to his students, blood circulation. And so he stands on his head. I mean, he could do it. He'd stand on his head up there. And why stand on stage talk to students? He says, is my face getting red? Yeah, that's circulation. Now watch me. I'll stand up now, and he got to a standing position. And he says, now I'm standing up, but my feet will not turn red. So why would you think that? And some will start saying, well, you got all those bones, you got all those muscles. And one kid said, there's nothing in your head to stop it. <laughs> you know? uh, so uh, I don't think any of our teachers use that illustration around here. But uh, uh, my wife has a science teacher sitting behind her now. She, he's writing her a note. No. <laughs> okay, but uh, uh, still what I'm getting at is this. Is that a lot of times we have an idea of what I would like to do. But what does Christ want us to do? For a Christian, that's got to be ultimate. The very ultimate. Look in verses 1 and 2. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on the things on the earth. Well, let's pray. Father, I pray as we delve into your word now today, and it is your word, Lord, so help me to rightly divide it. May thy Holy Spirit do what I can't do, is give understanding to each heart. And Lord, speak to the hearts of thy people to edify them, to build them up in the faith, and to strengthen them in Jesus Christ. And yet, Lord, if there is one in our auditorium, one listening by internet, one by a radio that is not sure of their salvation, I pray that today would be the day they come to know Him as their personal Lord and Savior. And I would ask this in that special, precious, holy name, the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, just looking at that first verse, uh, if ye then be risen with Christ. You know, we have to be a people of God who read the Bible. Now, when you look at the title of this message today, it's laying up for what's ahead. Some people say, okay, he's going to be preaching on prophecy. Others will say, oh, we've heard all these things about the uh, things that are going to happen in this country. So he's talking to us about what's going to be happening in America this year. And uh, actually, it's not going to be so much of either one, uh, to be frank with you. But preaching on this 
is really just showing you what God has to say. Uh, what's going to happen this year, I don't know. People have ideas, they've got reasons for those ideas, but I can't really say this is going to happen this year. Um, we have hopes. You know, every new year, have you ever thought about this? Every new year you see it on the TV, you see the news people, you see other politicians, you see all of them. Oh, we're hoping for a great new year. May this year be the year that this happens and that happens. And now they're talking about the great new year that's coming up. They talk about the same way about political uh, elections and so forth. And so when you get to the end of the year and we start talking about what happens next year, you begin to realize the past year was a failure. And mostly those things they're saying are hopes, but they end up being false hopes. That's why a Christian seeks the will of God. Because when you know His will, and you do His will, you don't have a false hope. You have a sure hope. And so, he says here in our first verse, uh, he's talking to us about if... Now, why does he start out with if? If ye then, wait a minute, if ye then be risen with Christ. If. You see, it's not if you are saved. Don't think of it as something with a doubt. If your salvation is real, you are saved. See, the main focus here is not Hey, am I really saved? Look, look at the word of this way. That first word, instead of saying if, maybe we ought to say since. It actually could be translated, in some places it is translated that way. But since you're saved. If you be saved. See, the if here is using the if of in the sense kind of an idea, since you're saved, if then you need to be doing something. That's what he's telling us here. And so, we should focus on eternity. If you're saved, you need to be seeking those things which are above because that's where we're going to spend. Eternity is with the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things that I believe that's going to be found out at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, at the judgment seat of Christ, that's where saved people are going to appear. Nobody at the judgment seat of Christ is going to hell. They've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. They don't have anything uh, about wondering, am I going to go to hell when they get to the judgment seat at the rapture? They're going to be in heaven. But there is a judgment seat. Well, why have a judgment if they're going to be in heaven? Because there's going to be a determining of reward. I believe that there's going to be people that when they get to heaven, they'll find out God called them to be a missionary. Maybe some to preach, some to get active in the bus ministry, some to uh, volunteer the nursery, some to work in the children's church, some to uh, do various things that a church has as a ministry. And you sit up there and you say, Lord, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. I guess what the Lord's answer is going to be. Uh, did you read Colossians 3.1? Seek ye. Seek ye the things which are above, because we are going to rule and reign with Christ. 
But you see, some are going to be saved so as by fire. Some are going to be ashamed at His appearing. Even though they're saved, they're going to be ashamed simply because they didn't seek to fulfill the will of God. Although they got saved, that's great. But then what would Christ have you to do? Now some folks get look at it and they'll say, you know what? I think I like singing the choir. Or I would like to do this. And, and those are good things. A lot of those things that you would like to do this at church are good things. But here's the question. Is it what God wants you to do? Maybe God has a different ministry for you in the church. I, I've heard of people said, teach Sunday school? Me? I'm not too sure of that. And they try it. They put their heart into it. And their heart comes, oh Lord, give it to me each week so I can give it to my students. And now they're getting to a point where they're rejoicing and seeing what God is doing in someone's life. And God is actually using them. I was just looking this week in, in, in my time with the Lord, I, I got to thinking of, you know, if you're in Exodus already, you're looking, just getting ready to look at the Exodus. You look at Moses and, and you see him and, and, and you see in Genesis even how Abraham, no, he, he just kind of messed up in Genesis and, and, and here's Abraham in Genesis the man that God is, is going to bless all nations and so forth will be blessed through Abraham. And he ends up with his Hagar and has a child by Hagar when it was God's will really to be Abraham and Sarah. They looked at circumstances and said, man, we're getting old as dirt. You know, we've got to do something. We've got to do something. And, and Sarah, and by the way, in that day, there was a law there. It was, wasn't the Bible law, but it was in the law of the land that a wife could pick out someone to bear her husband's child, and then that child would actually be hers. And that was just a the law. They could do that. And, of course, I guess the husband had to agree to it, and Abraham agreed to it. But it was a wife's decision if it was all right to go ahead, by their law, by the law of that land in that day. But what I'm saying is, is this, Abraham messed up. You get to the Exodus. These people are crying to be delivered. They finally get delivered out of the land. Great miracles, those plagues, and, and then the parting of the sea, and they get delivered. And somebody was talking to me today and said they were doing a lot of murmuring in there. And that's true. They murmured. They did some bad things. Look at King David. Bathsheba. Uriah the Hittite that was put to death because of him. And you see, I'm pointing those people out that uh, basically had some terrible, terrible failures in their life. Terrible sin. Bad things. And yet, when you read in the Psalms, 
After David's restoration, God has him write some holy writ. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord. My sin is ever before me. You see that with Abraham. After that, God used Abraham. He does get a, the other son that he does get by Sarah. He takes him up to Mount Moriah to offer him on a, uh, as an offering unto the Lord. And of course, there's a ram in the thicket there. But he was doing that in obedience to the Lord. God used Abraham even after his failures. We can look through the Bible and see people that messed up big time. In the line through which Jesus Christ would come, through David's line, what do you have? Rahab, the harlot. Solomon. Oh, God bless Solomon with such wisdom. Such wisdom. You read the book of Proverbs. I believe every word was breathed out by God, but he used Solomon to write it. Put those words down. But what I'm saying is, is this. Solomon best, messed up big time. But somehow God still used him. Now we tell you that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's true for me. That's true for anybody in this auditorium. Anybody that would say, I have not sinned that I've come short of the glory of God. Uh, come forward at the invitation because you've just told a lie. Yes, we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. We're sinners. I think one of the biggest failures of my preaching ministry, as well as about every preacher that there's been, is really to understand the awfulness of sin before an all-holy God. I think we would fear and tremble every time that we would preach the Word, wondering, will we present it well enough for a soul to be saved? What I'm saying is, is that as you look at the Bible, you see many people that got saved, that were saved from terrible, awful sins in their lives, and what God has cleansed, call it not common or unclean. Oh, yes, God saved some souls and began to use them. See, a lot of times, we as Baptists, a lot of times we say, yeah, God can save any soul. But it seems like they can't use them after that. You know, they believe that God can save uh, somebody that's really been bad. But they can't be used of God. After that, you kidding? I just gave you some examples. There's a whole lot more in the Word of God that He did use people. But He didn't use them until they were fully surrendered to Him. They sought the will of God. What did God call David? A man after my own heart. You've got to seek the Lord and do it. And so, since, since, is that your testimony. You've been saved. You're risen with Christ. You're risen with Christ. That is your 
uh, hope that is a sure hope. That's not a false hope like some of those New Year's resolutions. It's a sure hope. We have that hope for us. So seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. He sitteth right up there on the right hand. Now we get to thinking about that. Boy, what, what is all that about? Well, first of all, you've got to seek the will of God. What, 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 what have we pushed here last week or two, a few weeks, is read your Bible, read your Bible through, get in the Bible, read the Bible through, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. Meditate on it. Think on it. Think about what you're reading. The Bible is the mind of God. Anytime you're reading the Bible, you're hearing the mind of God. His mind knows our downfallings. His mind knows our sin. That's why He's given us a pure word that tells us about sin. He tells us about all these things. It tells us how to be saved, but it's there. But it tells us how to live. Oh, we like the 23rd Psalm. And as you look at the 23rd Psalm, we lay down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth. <laughs> he restoreth. Yeah, it gives back life to that soul. You see, when you think about it, okay, those waters, he, we have troubled waters in our life. We have troubles. We have trials. We go through all of those things, and he will lead me by those to the peaceful waters. Yea, though I walk through the valley of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me all the way. I'm his. I'm risen with him. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But as a light, he also walks with us. And so he casts the shadow that's the shadow, and it's coming from the light casting that shadow. We are with him. That's assurance. That's blessed assurance. As we look at leaving this life to go on to eternal life with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And yet, seek those things now. Why? Because as you read the Word, you meditate in the Word, and you think on the Word, you come to know the mind, you come to know the person of Jesus Christ all the more. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. I can tell you this, the path that the Lord would lead you in life will always be there not to fulfill the desires of the flesh. It'll always, always be holy. It'll always be righteous. It'll always be the right thing. And if it's not according to the Word of God, if you say, oh, I think God wants me to do this, and, and you end up. You know, you know how many people, I heard this on an interview. Now, bear with me on this. I was watching a TV interview I, I don't know if it was 2020 or one of those. But um, to say it in a perhaps nicer way, a man started a house of ill repute. And the interview asked him, why, why would you do this? He said, I prayed about it and I believe God wanted me to. 
That was his words. Now, what he doesn't understand is that it was the God of this world that led him to do that, not the God of eternity, God of, in heaven above. And what I'm saying is, is that, look, you've got to get in his word and meditate in his word, and then he will impress on you what to do. If you get back there and say, man, I don't want to do that. If you get in choir practice, man, you've got to come to choir and all that, and I get that Sunday afternoon, I'm watching my ball game, I'm doing this, doing that. Uh, <clears throat> then you're telling the Lord what's more important to you. Well, Lord, I'm doing you a big favor. I'm coming to church. He's doing you a favor for having a church for you to come to. And so, when you, you get to look at these things of, what am I to do? Seek the Lord. Do you realize that I'm a pastor? I can't tell anyone in this auditorium what is the direct will of God for their life. We are His workmanship, Ephesians 2.10. I mean, we love Ephesians 2.8.9. For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You cannot earn your salvation. You can't work for your salvation because the payment is too high. You'd have to be able to die shedding your blood because that was the price. The life is in the blood, so it had to be life given for our life. And it had to be pure life. So you wouldn't even qualify for that. But if you tried it, you'd still have to be able to be buried and then raise yourself up from the dead like Jesus did. If you can't do that and you can't, then you need a Savior. He paid the penalty. He paid it in full. And so, yes, since you are saved, seek those things which are above. For Ephesians 2.10, okay, grace saved by faith, that not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. But then verse 10, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. What does that mean? That's kind of like somebody coming in, he's trained, he's qualified. The owner calls them in and he says, All right, we want you to build this building. Here you are, you've been a master carpenter and, and you've got all this training and, and you know how to build, but here is the specifications that I want you to build. This is it, here's the blueprint, build it exactly like this blueprint. He's laid out beforehand, before that guy ever walks on the job, it's already laid out. He's got to decide whether he wants to do it or not and if the reward is worth it or not. Do you think giving your life to Christ as a Christian, although like the guy working on a building, he's going to get frustrated with people that are working under him. He's going to uh, see when things go wrong, when, when it seems like, well, that supplier didn't come through and this one didn't do their job. And well, we've got to do that part over again. When all those things start happening, what do you think? You just give up the job and walk away from it? No, you finish the job. 
you get involved in God's work, you're going to find out sometimes your greatest enemies might be, seem like they're people in God's house themselves. You know, as a senior now, okay, in high school, um, I found out our favorite pastime now at this age is to reflect. Remembrances. You know, and though that's, that's pretty well the famous uh, thing that has happened over the years. And, and that's not bad because sometimes if you're a younger person and all that, you may learn from some of those reflections they had. But nonetheless, we seem to like to just go back and reflect on things. And we can tell you how hard that was. How did you get where you are? You know, in ministry, I've got to look and say, Lord, use David to slay a giant, but he also killed a lion. Whoever, who as a man doesn't have this great big gun, just has perhaps a knife, and he slays a lion. That is unheard of. He slays a bear. I mean, if it's me, I'm going to say, hey, you can, have the, you can have those lambs. But he had a responsibility for those lambs. And he put his life on the line for it. But he knew if God could take him through that, he could kill a giant. And if God can take you through the things that you've been through and get you to this point, he can use you. He has a blueprint already. What you have to do is submit to it and follow the blueprint and walk in that life. Be, why? Because you're laying up for what's ahead. That's going to add to your eternal Rule and reign with Jesus Christ. It will determine reward. You get down further in this chapter and it talks about uh, appearing with him in glory there in verse 4. You know what I believe part of that glory is? The rewards. The rewards. You see, we were raptured up. We're at the judgment seat. The rewards have been given. Now it's the end of the tribulation. We're coming back with him. And for some there's more glory than there are others. Millennial reign set up. For some there's more glory than there's for others. Why? Because they sought the will of God for their life. And they did it. They completed it. They did it 100%. Now. How do you know you're saved? How does all of this come about? You know, a lot of times I, I think back and I'll say, man, that was dumb. Other times I've looked back and I've said, the world would say, man, I was just lucky. Now I'd say, God came in there. God did something. 
I couldn't do that. You know it. And so, I know this beyond any shadow of the doubt, that God would use me. Then there's nothing that God can do. There's, he can do anything. There's nothing that he can't do. <clears throat> now, God's will must always be God's way. When you do things in your own power, sometimes you end up like I did not too long ago. <clears throat> I was at a grocery store, had the food in the cart. You know, I, I tried to get everything up there right in front of me in that top where they usually would set a baby if you had a baby there or a kid, you know. But I tried to put as much right there. Problem is, they've got little rails that go underneath it. Sometimes things fall down. <clears throat> I'm going through, you know, if I put a few gallons of water down or something like that, or a whole pack of water or whatever, and <clears throat> put those things down on there. And then I go through and I get in self-checkout. So I go through self-checkout, do self-checkout. And then <clears throat> go back to my car, and I'm loading the car, and then I notice that when I pick up one of the packages, there was something that fell down through those bars and was there that I didn't know. So it didn't get rung up. And so I say, thank you, Lord, for giving that to me free. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> now, you've got to go back in and pay for that thing. Okay. What I'm saying is, Sometimes things happen in life. That's why we have the Lord in his direction as to what to do. Uh, I know that I belong to Christ through repentance and faith in Christ Jesus. I know that I am saved by the word of God. You know, 1 John chapter 5, verse 12 and 13 says, He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Now, that's pretty clear, isn't it? If you have the Son of God, you've got life. You're risen with him. If you don't have the Son of God, you don't have life. These things have I written unto you, the next verse says, 1 John 5, 13. I have written unto you that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. You know, when he says the name, he's talking about the person. You're believing, you're relying totally on his person. That he gave his word and he's going to keep it. On the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. How do you know you have eternal life? Because he doesn't lie. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You see, some believe that receiving him is saying this prayer that's like abracadabra, there's no receiving him as your Lord and Savior. There's no receiving him and saying, I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. There's no giving of your life to him. You're saying a magic formula the devil has to try to develop to fool you to get you to think that you're going to heaven. Now, I'm not saying that, well, a person gets saved, they're perfect. No, they're not far from it. A lot of people get saved and then they end up in a terrible life and they end up dying in sin, but they are saved, but so as by fire. But I'm saying is that you can know by the word of God, you've received the Son, as many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. 
So that is it. I know I'm saved because God doesn't lie. So, verse 1 of our text is showing that my faith is, if I know I'm saved, then I'm going to be doing something. That something is to seek those things which are above, where the will of God is being stated, where Jesus is sitting on the right hand of God, making intercession for me every, every day, just like He does for each of His own, which would include you. He's making that intercession day by day by day by day, seeking for us to walk in that will that He has before ordained, even before our salvation, probably before we were born, He has before ordained a will for your life, but you've got to seek it and then do it. And you're only going to know it as you get into the Word of God and you seek Him on a daily basis. Now the word seek there is in a Greek tense. I'm not going to be big on this on the Greek tense, but it's a Greek tense that is called a present imperative. It means this. It means do this and keep on doing it until you die or until the Lord raptures us. It's a command. And in that it's an imperative, it's one for which we give an account. That's why I said at the beginning, someone realized they were called and didn't follow that call because they did not seek. And yet, here is an imperative in the Bible that says, Seek, and you shall find. You see, you shall find when you seek. You know, I think, and I, I started out this way, and I actually got away from this outline, to be honest with you. And I, I guess that's all right. I'm the preacher. I get to do that. Okay. But we've looked at uh, just some things to say at the beginning. I said that about New Year's resolutions because they're false hopes so, so often. How many lost that weight that you said you was going to lose last year? How many gained more weight than you lost? Okay. You make a resolution, say, man, I'm, not, I'm going to do this, do that, do this, about weight. And you're doing good the first three weeks. And then somebody invites you over, and boy, there is a layout of food. And it stops there. A guy says, I'm going to start working out every day, and he's, boy, he's going after it. He's lifting weights, but he's sore, and he's hurting, but you know, he says, I'll endure this, get there. And then one day, he looks in the uh, mirror, he says, why in the world am I working out and hurting like that? Because it's not doing a thing for that body, you know. So easy to have a discouragement come in and make you quit. But you see, when we make a vow to God, when we say, okay, Lord, I'm going to seek you and I'm going to do what you tell me to do, then that's not a New Year's resolution. That is a vow. That's a promise. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 4, he says, don't make a vow unto God and defer not to pay, because that's what a fool does. Wow. Seek His will. Do it. Now, yes, God saves. He saves. And the hope that He gives is not a false hope. How many of those advertisements, if you'll stay on this diet for three weeks, you'll leave 50 pounds. And um, uh, 
it would be good to see that happen sometime. But it doesn't. They get false hopes in doing these things from what men said. But when this comes to the Lord, there are no false hopes. That's why I take it to 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators. That's sexual sin of any nature. Idolaters, anything that you worship. And I'm not talking about praying to just necessarily. Some, for an example, if it's the college playoff championship or if it's a Super Bowl or if it's something else, their attention is going to be there and not at church if they're at church. The real object of their worship is that that they're willing to give their heart and time to seek. And so, idolaters nor adulterers, those who cheat on their spouses, nor the effeminate, now we're looking at the homosexuals, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, now you're looking at the predators, you're looking at the traffickers, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers. Revelers has the idea of the partying guy. Social drinking, sometimes it's, they, they got drunk doing that. But it may be just social drinking, what we call social drinking. What is really, still, it's wrong. And so the revelers, it's interesting, by the way, let me just add this. It doesn't have a lot to add to the sermon, but just the revelers. At one time, that's the way they use it, people that would take a drink here and there. And over the years, it's just developed in its use. But the partying idea was involved the whole time. They're out partying, and a lot of times the drink causes people to do things because it weakens the moral standard of the mind. And so he says, covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Boy, what a group that is. But here's the most amazing thing. And such were some of you. Such were some of you, but ye are washed, how, by the blood of Jesus Christ, but ye are sanctified, you're set apart by God so that he can use you. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because he stood in my place and he took my penalty for me. And by the Spirit of our God. Now let me say this seriously. You read that list? If you see some of those people get saved and they come to a church and they get saved, people look at them and can't have that in our church. That tells me that person does not believe that Jesus Christ can change their life. In other words, he's believing that this is a lie. He doesn't believe such were some of you. I can remember preachers preaching a homosexual cannot get saved. Yes, they can. And they're saved from that life. You can turn from that life. You can turn from uh, all that evil and sin. Whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whether it's whatever else. My God is more powerful than what Satan has to throw at you. But you've got to give him your heart. You've got to give him your life. And you've got to say, all for Jesus I surrender. And if he'll do that, he'll do it for you. But the first step is to receive him as your Lord and Savior.
Do you know if you die today that heaven's your home? Well, if you followed the word of God, I said, okay. Lord, I can't do a thing about my sin, but I know you can take it from me. And I'm going to give you my heart and life to do with me what you want to do. I want you to save my soul. And he will. He will. But you've got to come to him. Won't you come? Let's bow our heads, please.